Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm excited for today again because I want to share with you something that I've been thinking about that I feel like can literally benefit everybody on the planet. And I think sometimes people have this goal, they have these goals or these habits or routines that they want to create, but then when they set out to make changes in their lives, whether it's in their relationship or career or spirituality or anything, any individual or relationship pursuit, I think sometimes we have very good intentions, but our follow-through does not often align with what we would like to be doing. I think it can be difficult sometimes for people to sustain their efforts and they get overwhelmed and overworked and think like, well, this isn't working or they get too busy or tired and their their resolve weakens to follow through on some important things and important changes they're trying to make in their lives. So I've been thinking about this and I want to share with you a couple of ideas to help make it easier for people to follow through and be successful at creating the kind of life that they want to create. And sometimes when I've thought about goals in the past, I think to myself like, well, I don't even know what goals to create or I don't, I don't even know what I want. One of the things that help, has helped me is to start to isolate the different categories of life. So whether that's career, physical health, relationships, spirituality, or personal growth and development, I think those are some high-level categories that you can start to think about, okay, where am I in this particular category of my life and where would I want to be? That can help you have some kind of a container or a context for you to be able to start to think about, well, where would I like to see some progress or changes in my life? Because I remember listening to a speaker who said, it's the thing that helps to create happiness for human beings isn't achieving the goal, it's just simply making progress towards a goal. So he said, you know, if somebody has a goal of wanting to lose 20 pounds, you don't have to lose 20 pounds to then finally feel happy and satisfied. You can start by losing two pounds and think to yourself, I'm on the right track. This is exciting. What I'm doing is working. I'm seeing the results of what I'm doing. And so that creates a sense of happiness, which can help, which can help sustain our, our actions because we're seeing progress. And so as I thought about today's episode, I wanted to share again some ideas that can help make it easier to create and sustain habits for the purpose of creating the life that you want. Again, whether it's with addiction or trauma or separate than that altogether, I think habits are the building blocks for us to be successful in life. And so I'm listening to, uh, I finished a book by the name of Atomic Habits. The author is phenomenal. And he's done such a good job. So I want—I pulled a couple of ideas from the book that I wanted to share with you and then link it to the context of addiction and trauma and healing to make it a little bit more relevant. So one of the things he says, I'm on his little newsletter. If you go to jamesclear.com, he has a newsletter that you can sign up for. And every Thursday, he shoots you an email with three nuggets of wisdom, two quotes, and then like a, a question to ponder. And I always look forward to these. And one of the notes, one of the the nuggets that he, nuggets of wisdom that he shared a, a couple of months ago was, uh, he says, start a lot of books, quit most of them, and read the good ones twice. And so if you are interested in this idea of learning skills and tools to be able to improve your life, reading Atomic Habits is worth doing twice or more because of how much wisdom is in that book. 
So I wanted to at least share that with you in case anybody's interested in learning more information about this. It's, it's such a beneficial, it's uh yeah, it's, I would encourage you to check it out wherever you are in your life and whatever habit or, or goal that you want to create in your life. This is something that will help you. So one of the things that I wanted to start off with is there's a study because, uh, let me actually take a step back. So I think I mentioned on the podcast that I love coaching. I love being coached by other people. I love coaching other people. I like talking to people who know more than I do in, especially in areas of my life that I want to grow in. And I feel like I'm a really good student. I feel like if, if I, one of the qualities that I, I guess I'm proud of is I feel like I'm a very coachable person where if I believe and have trust in somebody and they say, do this, this, and this to get the result that you want, then I'm going to do those things because I want to get the result and I have trust and I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I remember listening to a, a, an old coach, an old coach that I had, he kind of teases and he says that his middle name is Leverage. And he says the reason why his middle name, he like a self-described middle name, like a joking kind of a thing. He says it's leverage because I want to do the least amount possible to get the biggest returns. And he clarifies, he says, I'm not being lazy, but I want to be very intentional with my efforts so they can produce the greatest results because uh, he calls, he's like, most people run around being busy fools. Those are his words. He's, he's an English guy, so I don't know if that's a thing over there, but he calls them busy fools or they're doing everything that they can think of, doing this, this, and this, and their attention is scattered and their focus is, it, it, their focus and attention is divided. He says, I want to know the, li- the, the minimal things that I can do to create the biggest result and just focus on those activities and double down on those so I can make more progress and then have this extra time to devote to things that I want to be doing, whether it's spending time with my family, whether it's reading, whether it's exercise, I just want to focus on the men, like the things that are going to move the needle the most. I think this is a relevant piece of the equation that I want to talk to you guys about today, which is when we, sometimes when people think, well, I want to, I want to improve my life. I want to see a difference in my life, in my relationship. And I want to have a stronger marriage. I want to feel more connected or they say, well, I want to have a stronger body and be more physically fit, or I want to overcome the addiction, or I don't want to be caught so much up in my trauma and feel angry all the time. I want to be more peaceful. Sometimes people use exorbitant amounts of effort. They exert themselves thinking that effort is the thing that's going to create the changes. There's a study that I thought was fascinating that talked about how our willpower is a muscle that fatigues. And the way that they proved this was they took two groups of people. They brought these two groups of people into a room, one at a, one group at a time. The first group was set at a table where there was warm chocolate chip cookies on a plate. And then right next to the cookies was a, a basket of radishes. And the researchers said, Go ahead and sample radishes if you want. Go ahead and eat as many cookies as you want. You can you can enjoy them. You can not enjoy them. Whatever you want. Totally cool. Guys, just like, a re- I want you to just unwind and relax before the study starts. But the study had already started. They just didn't tell them that. So the researchers leave. Everybody's just kind of talking, eating cookies. Then the researcher comes back uh, later on and says, okay, we have a math problem that we want you guys to solve. The thing that the participants did not know is that the math problem was not solvable. It didn't actually have a solution. There was no, there was no, you, you couldn't solve it. 
they weren't interested in could they figure it out. They were just interested in how long will the participants spend trying to solve this math problem. And so the one group of people who was given the chocolate chip cookies worked on the math problem. And then they said, okay, everybody good. You know, they stopped the, the study. And then they had another group come in and they wanted to test the same thing. But this time they had the cookies on the plate and they told everybody, please do not eat the cookies. That is not a part of the experiment. I want you to everybody to just sample these radishes. And instead of eating the cookies, everybody could, you know, they could smell them. They could look at them. They could, they could, they just were not allowed to put them in their mouth, but they all were instructed to eat some radishes. And then they gave that second group of people, uh, another, uh, a puzzle, like a math problem to solve. And the effect that the researcher found, the researchers found on these two groups of people, they, it was like such a surprise to me because I didn't really anticipate how this could affect somebody. But they said that when they compared the results of the people who had the chocolate chip cookies against the results or how long the group of people who participated in the study that had to eat the radishes, what they found was that the people who ate radishes made far fewer attempts and devoted less than half the time to solve the puzzle as compared to the chocolate eating participants in the control group. In other words, the people who had to resist the sweets and forced themselves to eat these vegetables that they didn't like didn't have the will to engage in another difficult task. They were already too tired. And so I thought that was just so interesting because we don't often think about willpower as a muscle. We think about, we just think like, oh, I just need to try harder. I just need to push harder. Or, you know, I'm not doing a good job with this routine. Maybe I just need to like grit down and knuckle down and, and do everything that I can to push through when really that's a, that's a, that's an expendable resource. When we're using our willpower to try to create new habits, it's very, we're very, very unsuccessful usually at being able to sustain those habits because willpower, like I said, is a muscle. And if you're using all of your willpower to like throughout the day, we're making decisions all the time at home or at work, or we're trying to, you know, we tell ourselves we want to be, you know, we want to be focusing on eating healthier, but then we drive by McDonald's and we see that like, ah, oh, that's, that looks good, but we have to resist it. We're using our willpower all the time. So the last thing that we want to use is willpower when trying to create a new set of habits or putting it in the context of addiction and trauma to overcome an addiction or try to push down or move away from the pain that we feel. It's too difficult to use willpower as the reason why, or as the, as the tool to overcome any of these problems. I think that's one of the reasons why people maybe not understand it at the time, but for so many men that struggle with addiction, they beat themselves up because they think to themselves, I committed. I told myself I wasn't going to do this again. I was going to push through every temptation that ever came up. And I'm just trying to white knuckle my way through and grit my teeth through these temptations. And then eventually that wears on them. And they just think like, well, I just, I just need to try harder. Or maybe I didn't try hard enough. Or maybe I just need to punish myself or take things away. I remember working with somebody one time before they came to me, he said that he had set up a system where every time he slipped, he would pay his buddy $100. He thought, well, if I punished myself enough, then I wouldn't go back to it. But the problem is he's not using the right tools to overcome the problem. Number one, he's not, he doesn't have the right tools in place. And number two, he wasn't dealing with things on a deeper level. 
So what we're talking about today is on the highest level, yes, we want to, okay, let's, uh, let me reverse that. On the, on the core level, we need to resolve why the addiction's in, in the place, why the addiction is happening in the first place. After we resolve those problems, then we want to put, and you can do this simultaneously, but we also want to put healthy living behaviors, habits, routines, systems in place so that we can sustain the growth that we're trying to achieve. And so when people use willpower to overcome addiction or or trauma or try to create new habits, it's just not sustainable. So this is where I want to pull from James Clear's work. He's, I was listening to a podcast episode with him and he talks about the two minute rule. He said, I want somebody, if you are thinking about creating a habit or putting some kind of a healthy living behavior in place that you want to do consistently, he said, the way to start to do this is to take your overall habit, the goal that you want to put into place, whether it's, let's, let's say if somebody says, well, I want to exercise four times a week. He said, you want to take that end result and then shrink it down to two minutes. And he uses an example of saying, okay, if you're going to exercise four times a week, the first actionable thing that takes two minutes to do that he wants and encourages people to develop mastery over is lacing up your shoes and stepping outside of your front door. He said, usually people think like, well, you know, that's, that's not going to do a whole lot. Or if I break something down into two minutes, this is just some kind of a mental trick to get myself to do it. He says, it's not that at all. He says, by mastering the first part of the habit, you're starting to become the type of person who shows up. He talks about mastering the art of showing up because if you're not the type of person who laces up their shoes and steps out of the front door, then you'll never become the type of person who runs three days a week. You can't improve a habit that is not in place. So he encourages people to start small. Once you then create an initial habit, when you develop a new normal and you raise your standard for what you're going to do throughout the week or throughout the day, then you can improve. Then you can iterate and make changes and add, but you can't do any of that unless there's something in place first. So he says, lace up your shoes and step out the front door. And if you go for a run, that's just a bonus. But if not, fine, just develop this initial habit. If your goal is to read 30 books a year, he says, shrink this down to, okay, read a single page. Make that the focus. Pick out a habit that you can do consistently. Start small with it because that can just develop this like, oh, this is just what I do. This is the kind of person, this is who I am. I'm a reader or I'm somebody who... I I exercise or I'm fit. Or if you're thinking about things in terms of developing the relationship, maybe the the habit is, well, I want to make sure that every day we're having at least, we're we're connecting every day. That can be like an overall outcome. I want to connect with my partner every day. What does that look like? Maybe it's just a two minute check-in. Maybe it's going on a walk together. Maybe it's greeting each other with a hug and a kiss. Whatever the thing works for you, whatever the thing is that you want, shrink that down to two minutes because once again, you have that in place, then you can start small. And so I took this advice and I started doing a a little form of exercise and I had this little at-home gym system and I was doing well. I hurt my back months ago and then I wanted to get back into it. So I started, okay, my goal is I'm going to do two exercises every other day. 
And the first day I started, I'm like, this is my decision. I'm making a decision. I have the clarity of what I want to do. And I guess one little habit, one little uh, hack that can be helpful is if you're very clear about when you're going to do the habit, you're much more likely to follow through. So I decided after the kids go to bed, I'm going to pick up my system. I'm going to do two things. It takes me a total of like three or four minutes. And then after I did that the first day, the next day I got home really late, nine or nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I was thinking like, oh, I'm tired. But I decided already previously that I'm going to follow through. I'm going to do this two things. So I, I know that a part of what I'm doing, this is what James Clear talks about as well. He says, a part of what you're doing when you're doing these two minute things is you're creating an identity of the kind of person that follows through on the thing that you said that you do. So if my identity is somebody who's strong and the way that I can develop that strength is to show up and do one or two exercises, that was the thing that even at 10 o'clock at night got me up and did my exercise because I decided this is like, I want to develop and become the kind of person who does this thing. And so as you're showing up in this way, you're developing that identity and the identity really is what's going to help sustain any habit that you're creating now. It's the identity. It's how you see yourself. Because if you think of yourself as a healthy person, you're just going to eat differently. You're going to behave differently and you're going to treat your body differently if you say, I'm a healthy person versus, well, I need to work out. And so I really like those couple of ideas to help I just wanted to give you some uh, examples with this idea of a two-minute rule because this is where you can all begin. Now, the next thing that I want to do is link this. There's a couple other little tidbits that I want to add. But I want to first, well, maybe I'll add these quickly. So the other tidbit that I want to add is something that he talks about is starting with a keystone habit. So how he defines that is a habit that will then positively cascade into other areas of your life. So he uses the example of exercise. For him, that's a keystone habit because when he goes and lifts weights, he does strength training. Then he says after about after after he does strength training, he has about an hour of like his mind just gets clear and focused. And then because he's tired because he's exercised, he gets a better night's sleep. And then because he goes to bed at at a at a at a, at a, at a decent time, then he gets up at a decent time, and then he has more energy the next day. So his goal wasn't to develop a better sleep routine. His goal wasn't to develop a better focus, like period of focus. He wasn't trying to strengthen his ability to focus. The initial goal was, I want to develop strength. I want to go strength training. And that just cascaded into other areas of your life. And so thinking about or reflecting on where is one area of your life that if you did make changes, and I've noticed this as well, actually, with exercise. When I exercise, I'm much, much more likely to just eat better. I just feel better. Therefore, if I'm feeling better, I want to follow through on what I'm already doing. I want to continue to feel better. So if I know if I eat well, and for some reason, whenever I do exercise, I feel just less cravings towards foods that are unhealthy. So as you think about some of the keystone habits, think about some areas of your life, things that you might do daily, that if you were to make a small change, in one area of your life that it would benefit in other areas of your life, then he recommends starting there. And so after you have this keystone habit, the other thing that I would recommend is really try to problem solve and carve out a specific time in the day when you're going to do that thing and plan it ahead of time. This is another thing that I tried to develop. I wanted to read more. I wanted to do more like spiritual kind of uh, 
like uh, develop my spiritual practice more where for I was doing super well. Then we had, we had kids, then that kind of threw me off. And then it was just been inconsistent and sporadic and I would do well. And then I'd be inconsistent again. So I thought like, I really want to improve that area of my life. So I decided I'm going to carve out some time and do reading. And then I would try to do it at night, but by the time bedtime or like nine o'clock came, I was too tired. So that didn't go well. So I had to reevaluate, okay, when, when do I want to start reading? So what I eventually landed on was the first thing that when I get to the office, I block off my nine o'clock appointment and I spend 30 minutes or an hour just reading and reflecting or pondering or praying. I'm just spending the time doing what I've wanted to do, but I hadn't figured out exactly when I was going to do it. So that was another little hack that he recommends is, well, hack, I don't know if you'd say that word, but it's like, it's a, it's a tip to help you follow through on the thing that you want to do is to carve out the time, make it a plan, block that off and anticipate this is when you're going to do the thing. And again, knowing that this is what your plan is ahead of time, you're much more likely to follow through on it. So I don't, I don't book clients at nine o'clock anymore. If for whatever reason, something comes up and I do have a meeting that I have to attend, then I want to make sure that I'm blocking off the 10 o'clock slot because I want to be consistent with this process. And I haven't, of course, done it perfectly, but the goal is to keep iterating. And so when I recognize, like, I'll give you one more little example. As I was reading uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, I noticed that I would get these text messages and then email would pop up. And I'd think like, oh, I better answer that real quick. Or maybe I should respond to this person real fast. I thought this isn't what I want to be doing. This is getting in the way of me developing the habit that I want. And so my, my reaction to that was put it on airplane mode. So as you're doing the habit, as you're just starting the process, you'll run into walls and that's normal. You can anticipate that, but just be aware that when that happens, you just want to try to, to pivot and put something in place that can help you resolve the challenge that might make it difficult to follow through. Now, the last thing that I want to do is to link this to the process of healing. Sometimes I'll hear uh, like I'll read blogs or hear people talk about more in a traditional sense of recovery, like traditional healing, pro the process of healing. They'll talk about habits as being such a crucial part of the way to overcome or avoid addiction. Now, I, I think it's something that's super important to emphasize that I never recommend somebody put a habit in place for the purpose of avoiding the addiction. Let me specify what I mean. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I charge my phone in the other room so I don't bring it into the room and slip late at night. Or somebody might say, well, I'm going to cut off my internet access so I, I cannot access the internet at any point. Or I'm gonna have filters on my computer so I don't slip. And so, while there is a place, I think some people can benefit from filters. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's the mindset that I really want to speak towards right now. Because if somebody says, well, I'm going to charge my phone in the other room so I don't slip. Their whole worldview, their whole, the way that they're viewing everything is centered on the addiction still. I'm going to put a filter on my computer so I don't slip. So I don't go to a site that I shouldn't go to. I think when somebody frames their habit in the context of the thing that they don't want, they're unintentionally reinforcing the thing that they're trying to get away from. 
So what would I recommend instead? Instead of saying, well, I'm going to charge my phone in the other room so I don't slip. It's you can use the same, you can use the same action and say, I'm going to charge my phone in my other room. So I have time to read something productive. So I have time to have a conversation with my wife. So I have time to get a good night's sleep. Because you're doing the same behavior, but if you put it into a different context and you put it with the outcome that you actually do want, words and intention, those there's so much power in those things. I was just, I've got a buddy who uh, likes doing coaching himself and he sometimes posts on Facebook and he says, my grandmother always taught me, don't say I'm sick. Even if you are, if you, if you have a cold, he, sh- he said, don't say I'm sick, say I'm getting well. Say I'm healing because words have meaning. Words have power. And I think the same thing is true in the context of creating a new habit. If you say, I'm going to do this thing so I don't fill in the blank. If it's so I don't, I think we want to shift that and and flip that around. I'm doing this thing so I can. Because once you have the intention of getting a positive thing, your brain just starts to focus on that thing. But if you say, so I don't make a mistake, my brain has to think about the mistake first to then try to delete it out of its mind. The way the mind processes information is it has to it has to create a picture of what you're saying to then delete the picture, right? If you say, don't think about a pink elephant, your brain has to first imagine the pink elephant to try to delete that from your mind. So this is another huge part of what can help sustain your habits or routines or the positive behaviors that you want to start to incorporate in your life is to figure out why do you want to do it? What's really the benefit? For what purpose? So if you say, well, I want to, again, instead of avoiding the addiction, it's I'm going to do this thing so I can achieve this, so I can become this, so I can have more of this. I want more peace. So I'm not going to just mindlessly scroll. And this is true whether there's addiction or not. You might just say like, okay, I find myself mindlessly scrolling the news or Facebook or doing something that's just not productive. So instead of doing those things, what do you want to do instead? Well, I want to have peace. I want to get a better night's sleep. I want to, again, build my relationship. Figure out what you want to, for for what purpose do you want to do a new behavior? And then you can anchor your decision or your action to this positive thing. And the more you then follow through on the behavior with this positive intention in your mind, you're going to be benefiting from it instead of just saying, well, so I don't slip. Then what are you going to do instead? It's like, okay, I'll go and just lay in my bed and just, I don't know, disconnect in some other way. But having this positive intention in mind will help you sustain these new habits that you're trying to put in place. So what I would recommend to summarize all of what we've talked about today, pick one habit or behavior that you want to start to incorporate. Ideally, one that'll have a positive cascade into other areas of your life. Maybe that starts with sleep. Maybe that starts with eating healthy or exercise. Pick one habit and then what's the smallest first step that you need to put in place in order to create this habit and make it consistent. Maybe it is charging the phone in another room. Maybe it's turning electronics off at 10 o'clock if you're wanting to improve your sleep habits, sleep pattern. Whatever the first smallest two-minute action is, I would encourage you to fix, figure out what that is, figure out when you're going to do it, and then tell somebody else about it. Because the more we have people who we can check in with, the more likely we are going to follow through with this. So whether you tell your friends, whether you tell your partner, 
But if this is your goal, what's the two minute step, putting that step into place and keeping in mind for what purpose you're doing it, then you're going to create this identity of the person who is that. I'm somebody who's like, I take care of my body. So I go to sleep at a decent time. I have more energy. I'm in a better mood. And I'm much more likely to be there for the people in my life because I'm in a better mood and I have better energy. So the more you can link this to this positive outcome, the more appealing this behavior will be, which of course makes it much more easy and possible to be consistent with it. So I'd encourage you to take those few steps, notice over the next couple of weeks how it feels as you're implementing those, and then you can pivot and iterate and add things to make it even more effective for you. So again, I hope this has been helpful. It's been great to have you guys with me today. Uh, if this is, sometimes I'll get people each reaching out in emails and, and, and messages. I, I appreciate the feedback when people are saying it's helpful. And for those who have questions, sending those in so I can create more episodes that are relevant to those who are listening. So uh, uh, I appreciate again, you guys being with me here and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.